When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only the second time that we use that. It's awesome, man. It makes us look so professional. Yes. It's such a lie. We are we are not. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try our best. And this is Friday night. It's 11 o'clock. It is time to explain yourself. We've got three projects we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I am going to step away for a second, though, because somehow I forgot to send the link to join us to Brian Hawkins, our third project. So, Will, <laughs> I'm going to need you to uh, get us into the show and do our, our our pitches while I figure out how to get Brian to join us. All right. Um, well, we've got uh, Frank Martin and uh, Jenna and Carl, uh, our, our creators. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to run through the quick 30-second pitches for their projects, and then uh, we'll... Uh, We'll see what else uh, kind of trouble we can get into. So, uh, Jenna and <laughs> Carl, uh, do you want to start? Yeah. Let her up. All okay. right. Me. Okay. Uh, Lady Mayhem is a 90s style tale of over the top violence and vigilante vengeance um, about a woman who comes back to the city that she fled a couple of decades before when her father passes away and she believes that he's been murdered and she wants to take revenge on the crime syndicate that she believes took him out. Bam. Nice. Bam. <laughs> In your face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Frank, uh, you've got uh, Pipe Creepers, number two, I was, right? I was going to say, I love that purple filter that they got on their face there. I don't know if that's on purpose. We don't know how we did that either. It's definitely <laughs> evening <laughs> lighting. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm going to get some Vaseline and put it on my camera. I'm going to go back 80s moonlighting style. It's going to get so sexy so fast. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. Listen, 
It's after 11 o'clock. The kids are asleep. Whatever you're comfortable with, work on After dark. <laughs> Showtime after dark. Um, Pipe Creepers is the project that I have in Kickstarter right now. It's for part two of a two-part story arc. Uh, the basic premise is a bunch of plumbers go to a house that's very creepy to work on the basement, and they get sucked into a kind of a Lovecraft adventure. So it's... It's fun, it's horror, it's adventure. It's not meant to be in your face scary. It's more meant to be like fun scary, adventure scary. So uh, I hope people like it. Awesome. Well, um, Brian Kevin? is coming. Brian is Brian coming. Is coming. He sent, I sent the, uh, the invite, uh, but I put the URL in the uh, middle of the invite. So I'm going to go into the sausage, the sausage of the show. I, I mean, uh, I, could, we, I could pitch Brian's book because it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, but, 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 I'll, but I'll let yeah. come on. To, but give me, give me a second to, I'm going to, I'm going to explain this. I'm going to explain myself. So we have this invitation document and I very specifically put the URL in the middle because I want people to read it. <laughs> and I know if I send the URL at the top and then there's all the stuff about the, the show, no one will ever read it because other comic creators are like me. We're busy. We've got <laughs> Kickstarter campaigns running. We've got books to, to read, edit, draw, et cetera. So I put it in the middle, which is, is where he's like, you know, like, I don't see where, where so is He's it, going to be here. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be talking about The Lunatic, The Lover, The Poet, a slasher horror comic uh, of a troupe of theater uh, kids in college are doing Mid Midsummer's Night's uh, uh, Dream. And uh, unfortunately, one gets hacked to death before the play goes on. Uh, I He's here to talk on the, he will be here to talk about the second issue. And we're going to let him do a much better part. How'd I do, Frank? I think you did pretty good. I think okay. maybe it's unfortunate. Maybe that guy was a jerk. <laughs> the sl the slasher, or I, I have an affinity. <laughs> I have an affinity for stories that combine like horror plays into an actual horror story. You know, like Phantom of the Opera and stuff like that. It's uh, so we've yeah. got some really good hey, news. Here he is, Brian. Did you hey. hear my terrible thirty-second pitch about your comic? <laughs> I. I did not, but I would love to hear it since I missed it. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the deal. We're going to let you do your 30-second pitch, and then we can all rewatch it tomorrow and see yeah. if I butchered it. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm pretty sure he did, man. It's okay. <laughs> I doubt if he butchered it. I, I slashed it. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> butchered is a great word. That's well, intro. That, that, that's all that was. <laughs> uh, so am I just jumping into it? Jump into it. All right. Gonna... So, the Lunatic Eleven a Poet. Um, I it's CW's Nancy Drew meets Scream. Um, it's set on a school of the arts named Poe. It's Poe School of the Arts, and there's a serial killer running loose. Um, as Oliver Jones is a is a ambitious playwright, and he has the task of uh, creating a rendition of Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. In the midst of that, um, the, the lead actress is murdered, um, and from there, the cast and crew all become suspects especially um the uh her, the boyfriend and her best friend um who, who if you read if she won it's revealed that they have had an affair so they become suspects as well as targets That's awesome nice. 11 the poet we are going to get a deep dive in, but Wedgeham says they say two of their favorite indie writers which is very cool we're not even <laughs> answer which two 
Doesn't even matter. We're just, even we're matter. just gonna we're just gonna leave it that that there's there's five creators here. There's uh, an artist and four writers, and uh, Will and I are just pretty sure it's not us. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> we're fine. We're happy to have you, Ed. And Blake from the Blake Buzz podcast says only four minutes in, and the Vaseline is coming out. As we said, it's and so is the bourbon. I read the note. I read the note that you know. Yeah, so I'm going to drink for all of us. Nice. You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna like pull the curtain back. How many of you are actually drinking alcohol out of a coffee cup like us? Water. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. A little mug full of red wine, just a little one. <laughs> Can we be professional after eleven, but also still kind of like toe the line? I I have faith in you, and I think it's gonna happen. So, yes. uh, and you know what? Will and I. We don't put a lot of time into this. We just come to have fun. So don't worry about professionalism. This yeah. show is not about professionalism. It's about fun and comics. So you guys didn't put a lot of time into this. I couldn't tell. <laughs> All right. Wedge says it is Brian and Jen, and but oh. he looks forward to knowing the rest of our work. And we will take oh, that. So that's oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you. It is it much. is not an insult to uh, have a compliment <laughs> to uh, I know Brian's work. Jen, I've got to learn your work. Um, sure. You guys are first timers. Uh, we've actually gotten to speak with Frank and Brian before. So why don't we let you guys talk about Lady Mayhem first? I'm going to pull up the page and um, we're going to uh, I'll put the banner up. up. Oh, beautiful. The uh, the seat of the idea came about because I misheard someone's name. See, the ideas can come from anywhere, right? right. I thought I heard I, that this woman's name was Maggie Mayhem. Oh my gosh. And I came home and I said, that's a that's a great name. I have to use this in something. And Carl said, no, I have to use this in something. It's called <laughs> Lady Mayhem. And we need to make a Lady Punisher comic. And I was like, fair Ooh. enough. Let's run with it. And because uh, he'd been kind of wanting to to make an over-the-top, bonkers, violent, 90s image, just ridiculous gonzo guns and blood. And like the guns are too big. Yeah. The violence right. is too big. It's impractical. <laughs> we, uh, we have Cult of Icarus, a book coming out from Scout next yeah. month, uh, which is very much a Jenna vision. And uh, I was like, listen. If, it's CW vampires. If I do this nice. for you, you have to do this for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I drew some vampires for, you know, the better part of a year. And then I was like, listen, let me show you Cyberforce. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I dragged her down the rabbit hole of like uh, the JRJR Punisher War Zone. Yeah. Uh, I made her read Hard Boiled by uh, Frank Miller and yep. Frank Whiteley. Not Frank Whiteley, Jeff Darrow. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Got Frank Whiteley on the brain, but yeah, I read some um uh uh the Daredevil lady uh oh uh, typhoid Mary typhoid Mary the um, and the Synthi run oh, yes. Yes. yeah that is that was that's my Daredevil that that JRJR yeah. and so that's my Daredevil too and yeah. quite frankly nobody talks about it anymore which bombs me out because every figure and every page has so much force and vitriol mm -hmm. I was like where where is that. So, I want yeah. that. So we just kind of crafted a basic revenge story, but put it in this world of hyper-violent Punisher type stuff, just featuring a lady because I like to write as many ladies as possible. Somebody was really smart in uh, one of the reviews that I saw of it so far. They were just like, 
uh, with the forethought of looking back, I'm like, no, no, it's a 90s comic. Like, <laughs> don't think it's elevated. Like, it's, it's, it's not. straight up. It is violent and kind of over the top and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really cool. So it's 64 pages. Is this a beginning, middle, end story is done? Is this a volume one? This is... Uh, oh, we, oh, we're going to break kayfabe. <laughs> oh, we're going to break kayfabe. We uh, had only <laughs> planned on one story, and then we were having so much fun with the character that we believe that when... I'm going to say if she gets her vengeance, but when she gets her vengeance, mm -hmm. she will probably have more baddies that she needs to take down in subsequent awesome. stories. So... Oh, yeah. You know, you, men you mentioned uh, Frank Miller. I I'm seeing the black and white. I'm feeling a lot of Sin City. Um, is this going to be a black and white comic or are you going to color it later? It's going to be a color book because people seem to not know how to wrap their head around black and white comics in the Western comics buying market. <laughs> um, but I mean, I sling those inks. Yeah. And you can quote me on this like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, quote. Um, Love the quote. I sling those inks like a motherfucker. Put the quote on the book, baby. That's right. I'm going to write that down. Also, I do all this shit. should be written in the credits page. <laughs> I actually do. So, Artist, sling the minks like the motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I've now made it like a bragging point uh, with every book that I put out. The last page on it says, this book was made with pencils, inks, and paper by slow, my sign, because nobody draws on paper anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I, like, I'll go into his office because uh, he'll be working on a page and it's just like, I, said, I, I can write whatever on, on the script and you're just going to make me look like a genius. So uh, thank you. Yo, she looks like a genius. <laughs> she looks like a genius every time. Yeah. Cause she can just yeah. say, uh, I made him do that. So we're yeah. having a ton of fun is what it comes down to. Show of hands. You're all writers, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Writer. Everyone's I a writer. I, I wish I could sling those inks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. You're all welcome. <laughs> How many times you see uh, stories from the big two that are just like mediocre, but they have top tier artists that are on them that can just that all the time. Seem like they're astronomical. So, and then they're great, are, are, and then they get they get replaced, and you're like, why are you getting rid of these amazing artists? Oh my god, so many top tier artists that do like three issue runs, and you're like, that was the reason I was buying the book. Yeah. Uh, like I, I think it's was just an amazing uh, Spider Man. It's the it's the workload, you know. You the, yeah. the same amount of time it takes a writer to write eight issues is the same amount of time it takes a great artist to write to to draw two issues. So it's yeah, it's yeah. Weird, for sure. That, yeah. that, that weird uh, timetable. Yeah. So you guys are uh, zooming, or we should say, streamyarding from the same room. Yes. Do you write in the same room? Do you separate when you're creating a comic? Uh, we will actually. A lot of times, we collaborate on the basic story and the basic outline. And on Lady Mayhem, actually, Carl was the one who was like, "Listen, I have the vision for this story. I know what I want to draw." So let me give you kind of a beat by beat of what we want to do. And then mm -hmm. I took that and, and I scripted it. For Icarus, we came up with the bulk of the story together. And then I did page breakdowns and the script. But he's as much a writer as he is an artist as well. So I'm always happy to kind of go to him and say, what do you want to draw? What do you hate to draw? I promise I won't put any horses in this. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to see your next book. It's called Horses and Trains. Horses and Trains. <laughs> I'm not into it. And a lot of uh, foreshortening. A lot of foreshortening. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if this is a nine, right. if it's like a '90s image book, are you drawing feet? No, um, there's no feet. No feet. Um, <laughs> I I will say though, in my research for this, I uh, I've been looking at a lot of stuff that I've trying to track down the origin of the '90s pose, which was the this thing with the foreshortening with no feet. That shows up in Lady Mayhem at least three times. Because <laughs> right. you need to. Where influences on our sleeve. Yeah. Are your are your scripts um, full scripts or is it just kind of like reiterating the the uh, you know the plot points and then the dialogue you've come up with? They're they're definitely full scripts. Um, what'll happen is we'll come up with the basic story and then it will be one and then like maybe two lines of what should happen, two, three, four, all the way to 64. And then I'll take that and do page by page um, the exposition or the action and then the dialogue as well. Um, I've never really written plot style. It's always mm -hmm. been full script and uh, it's been a really interesting crash course because I come from screenwriting and it's a completely different discipline. Like you got to make those page turns. You got to have those cliffhangers every mm -hmm. single, every single beat. So um, it's been a lot of fun to kind of learn what I'm doing. And because he's been so immersed in comics, I mean, he's been doing this for like 20 years. He went to the Kubert school. He knows his shit. And so he's been like, no, this sucks. This is what you're doing wrong here. And I say it lovingly. <laughs> no, this sucks, sweetie. Like, <laughs> just, just full disclosure: we, we are engaged. We're yeah. we've lived together for way too long. Yeah. So, like, we have a shorthand. So right. This <laughs> this sucks is loving for like, no, babe, this sucks. <laughs> a whole new method it's of lost in translation. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but she writes very differently yeah. for me than she does for anyone else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because you have that shorthand? Or... Oh, definitely. definitely. Or because I can just walk into the other room and say, listen, I just wrote fight scene on this page. Are you cool with that? And he's like, please don't do anything but write fight scene. You're going to make it terrible. Uh, <laughs> one of the that's best why comics is so awesome because it's just such a collaborative medium. You know, you can really, yeah. you can really meld with somebody and create a story like of yeah. two minds, you know, between storytelling and art other than For sure even, yeah, even screenplays don't work like that really right yeah no you, when you're writing a screenplay you're not trying to, i mean sure you want the director and the actors to be excited about it but you're not literally just trying to pump adrenaline into the director whereas when you're writing a comic strip you're trying to pump adrenaline into an artist so knowing exactly what he wants to draw it is a gift that you have so just yeah use it yeah. yeah, one of the hardest things to, to learn to do was in screenplays, you want as much white on the page as possible, like because that's the director's job. Mm -hmm. So when you're writing for comics, I had to get used to explaining or describing everything that I wanted in the panel. And it was a really, a really steep learning curve for me. Well, for everybody, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, we know you sling ink like a motherfucker. Yes. Uh, who uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, are you going to color it as well, or do you? Who's oh the yeah, colorist in the letter or on the book? Yeah, I'm a one man army over here. Awesome. And he's lettering as well. Yeah, he does everything. Yeah, you kind of have to be like coming from indie comics. Like if you don't know how to do every aspect of comics and know like page bleeds and formatting, like you're dead in the water. Yeah. I respect. Yeah, because it can it, you can lose a full week if you don't have your your pages created in the right way for the man. And 
I've seen professional books get shot straight to hell because they didn't know simple things like this. And it's, yeah. it all falls on the artist and it all falls on the creative team. And mm -hmm. listen, that's how you can tell the difference between a seasoned veteran and someone who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Pardon I, my language. I think one of my biggest level ups in that comics was, was just learning how to letter myself because then I could just handle it exactly how I wanted it to be and have oh, yeah. it sent out to, to, to backers exactly how I want it to be. So yeah, just knowing what you need to have it done the way exactly you want it to be is, is And that's an absolute, absolute advantage too. Like if anyone as a writer dips into other things like lettering, like Frank, like you now have a leg up because you know, oh, this much space should be in a panel. This much should be, you know, dedicated to this. Like a lot of people don't even know that. A lot of people working on mainstream books don't know that shit. <laughs> yeah. just, out there being like, Listen. just because you learn it on the back end doesn't mean it doesn't help you on the front yep. end. Because now yeah, you're, right. when you're actually scripting the book, you think about the lettering in the way you didn't do before, which is exactly kind of weird. Exactly. It's a weird thing, but you, you just subconsciously do it. Exactly. Exactly. It also lets you edit to the very last second. <laughs> Whereas if you if you if you have a letter, you, I, there I can't is... tell you how many times I've gotten scripts back from editors. I mean, like, there's too much dialogue here, but like, I don't care. I'll just cut it out when I'm started lettering. Like, right? <laughs> I don't want, I'm not even worried about that. Like, <laughs> we, that's why the, just, uh, yeah. the Wiseman rule of 32 exists. You're not supposed to have more than 32 uh, words per panel. I think it was. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. That's like an old rule, though. I'm dating myself. I think the wise men were frankincense, gold, and myrrh, right? <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> this son of a gun. Go back to the Bronze Age. That's right. Tell me about the original Justice League. This balloon needs to be over here, and this balloon needs to be over here. I'm like, yeah, I'm lettering it, so I could just. Cat Murdoch came to say hi as well. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> We're gonna get back. We're gonna get back to Lady Mayhem, but I want to make sure we get to all Don't. of our books uh, tonight. Um, but it just sounds like balls to the wall fun, oh, yeah. and I cannot <laughs> wait to read it. All right, so um, I see Brian is on the left of my screen. So Brian, let's let's get into <laughs> issue two of the, uh, the 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 lover, the lunatic, and the poet. Did I say that in the right order? No, the lunatic, not, the lover. Not exactly. The poet. It's okay. Yeah. All right. I'll pull it up. You 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 take take care of it. Oh man, the pressure's on. Yeah, it is. I'm gonna sing this mic like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there it is. So um, yeah, I mean, um, like I was saying, you know, uh it's act two. This is the follow-up issue. It's it's um a a a three act three issue series um and it is beginning right where issue one left off um and issue one kind of left off at, with a cliffhanger where mercedes um the other actress who was having an affair with the original victim the first one um she's now being attacked by the puck mask killer and in act two the idea of the puck mask killer comes more to the forefront um in issue one you know there's not much name given to the killer uh, mm -hmm. but kind of <laughs> very much like screen where you know ghost face becomes a thing you know puck mask um mm -hmm. for act two is becoming a thing based off of the 
um, stage manager, Sierra, uh, recognizing and being the only one having seen the killer and saying like the killer wore a puck mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the heels of Mercedes attacks, uh, we pick up with her in the hospital having survived it. And then we flash back to see, um, you know, how she actually survived it. Um, and from there, uh, Detective Reese Randolph, who is the uncle of Alexis Randolph, the uh, lead actress who was originally killed in Act One, um, he's interviewing, kind of interrogating, finding out what happened. You know, he's out for justice, but he's also out for revenge, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. to this perp to justice uh, for his family, um, his niece, who was who was killed and everything kind of ensues from there and the uh the usual suspects kind of come into play in, in a roundabout way and uh the cast and crew get more involved in issue two and more secrets are revealed that um makes the 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 mix up and the mesh of who's really behind this um come more to the forefront leading into which would be um the, fina- the finale in act three which is going to be a um an oversized uh, two-part in one issue. So. Oh, nice, nice. Very cool. So uh, I see the creative team here. Can you uh, tell us how you uh, put your team together? Yeah, so Marcio and I have been connected for maybe about two or three years. Uh, we started off on this kind of uh, urban fantasy hero story called Corn Rolls. And from there, we kind of um, just took a break on corn rolls. He had uh, a personal issue that came up and he needed some time. And so we kind of stepped back. And then when we reconnected, um, I was ready to roll with uh, the lunatic lover and the poet, which is really, um, ironically, this story has been <sighs> been rewritten <laughs> like so many times, beginning, you know, with its origin as a spec screenplay, actually. And um, I said, you know what? I I think this could be a comic. Um, And so eventually, you know, I I just kind of made changes and the story evolved because I evolved and it became this comic that I pitched to Marcio and we connected on it. And um, he took on the role of of artist for me and and bringing it to life. Um, And from there, uh, we linked up with Gabriel Rodon, who is the color artist, and uh, he's part of a group, um, a studio, Nimbus, with Francisco, who is a letterer. And um, we, you know, it's just a huge collaboration. And, you know, we're always exchanging messages, going back and forth, and just trying to bring this story to life. I was fortunate to um, be connected with Shane Connery Vogue, who is the artist of Nottingham, and we have a good relationship. Oh, cool. um, that know, Mad Cave, that was a that was a great series. Oh, I love Nottingham. And yeah. being the editor on that and working with Shane, uh, we formed a very good relationship. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm going into the second issue, um, and I would love to do like a, a variant, you know, and that's that's the cover of his variant. And I kind of gave him a general idea of what I was going for, what I wanted, and he just, uh, he crushed it. So he kind of joined with us on Act 2 to to produce that virgin um, variant cover for us. So, And, of course, Jerry 
Nelson is my graphic designer. He's like my right hand for my my imprint. You know, whenever I need anything done, like credits page, dressing on the cover, back back cover page, everything. Jerry's <laughs> my right hand, like from any kind of a promo. Uh, so he and I are in constant contact, and he disseminates all that through his uh, his logical chaos design. <laughs> Input uh, c- company, so it's cool. So you said it was a screenplay at one point. H- yeah. How do you go about adapting your own screenplay into a comic? What What's the first step in doing doing that? Do you go straight from the screenplay, or do you just put it away so, and start writing a comic? This one was interesting because I re- I wouldn't even call it an adaptation because I really didn't even pull too much. I pulled the concept and I pulled. Some of the characters' names: Xylifer, Lexus, Mercedes, Valentine. They are definitely from the screenplay. Um, the idea is definitely from a screenplay. Um, the original screenplay actually wasn't set around the play, as far as them being a play. The original screenplay was actually um, Xylifer was. Uh, in, they were all in college, and he was actually in a literature class. Um, and they were focusing on on Shakespeare, and one of the plays that, that they were looking at was A Midsummer Night's Dream. So the way that evolved was, I'm like, this makes way more sense if it was really centered around Zolifer being a playwright instead of mm-hmm. being in his class and being kind of like a, a writer or kind of like a poet. So that's how it evolved, and I, I did end up going back to look at the script and read through the script again, but after I read through it, I kind of just set it aside, and it was all there anyway, and mm-hmm. I built it from the original idea, having read it again and then having it in my mind. So I didn't really adapt the screenplay. It kind of just evolved from that screenplay into this comic. But I, plans, but, but I do have plans on, I'm actually writing uh, the, the the new screenplay version of it now. Just because based, based upon the comic. Yeah. Based upon the comic now. I, <laughs> so we're going to have yeah. the lunatic, the lover, the lover, the poet, mm-hmm. the movie based on the comic. Adapted from the movie <laughs> by Brian Hawkins. Uh, man. I will I would love for it to play out that way. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. That Brian, that really resonates with me because my next project is was adapted from a short screenplay too. But I didn't it seems like you took this spiritual idea of the story and just kind of made it to a comic. Whereas yeah. w- with w- what I did for my next project, I just basically took the screenplay and I chopped it up into okay. a comic script. Like literally it just translated onto a page okay. rather than onto a screen. So it's kind of, it's cool to hear somebody do the process a little differently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I can. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It all depends yeah. on what the stories you're trying to tell. It, we're going to hope, we're going to hope yeah. both times. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, you kind of have to go where the story leads you. And for this, I, I wanted the essence of it and the foundation of it. I wanted who the characters were, but I knew that as a writer, I had changed. And I knew that there was something else there that had to be said and done that wasn't in that screenplay. So I knew it had to be something new as well. 
So, so is uh, is present Brian uh, thanking past Brian, going, "Hey, good job, man." Hindsight is like, I see you, D. I see you. I can't tell you how many times I re revisit something I wrote in college, and I'm like, <laughs> Frank was so angsty, you know. He was so, <laughs> he was so hateful and full of rage. Like, who was this guy? <laughs> uh I understand that for sure. I, I definitely do. I so definitely do. this is a very tough question because I don't know if anyone will survive uh this comic series. Um uh, so if any characters do survive, is there a possibility that there will be tales with them at another time? Or is this uh do you expect this to be one three issue series? Like uh, so I am definitely a horror fan. I love the genre. I'm just coming back from seeing Scream Five, so I'm all oh, in my, nice. I'm all, yes, no, no I'm matter all, what he tells you, the answer is there's always another one. There's, <laughs> all, there's always there's always a possibility for more. <laughs> definitely, the franchise the franchise has to live on somewhere. So yeah, what you're saying is the play has more than one puck. Jason, the final Friday. There was Freddy, the final nightmare. It's it, it always goes on. There's always we can always come up with a way. There's always a way. There's always a possibility. All right. So let's let's. There's always one more. We have one more project to talk about. So Frank, let's go to Pipe Creepers number two. Yeah. I'm impressed though. You called it Pipe Creepers instead of Pipe Cleaners because well. <laughs> Every, everybody, including my wife, cannot pronounce this project right. Which is, <laughs> I, I, it is out of embarrassment because I called it pipe cleaners the last one, and I probably will do it again. <laughs> you know what? It's an idea for your spinoff. For some reason, pipe creepers. It's it's uncomfortable to say, which is kind of the point of the story. You know, it's right. a little it's a little creepy. It's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Pipe, pipe cleaners. <laughs> What's uncomfortable finding a portal to hell in somebody's basement? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> That's our apartment. <laughs> so uh, the general premise behind Pipe Creepers is that two plumbers go to work on a creepy lady's basement and they get, uh, they go into their, uh, they go into her basement and they get sucked into kind of a Lovecraft adventure horror mystery with creatures and monsters it's kind of a, a fusion of black comedy and hp lovecraft horror and i would say it's more like creepy uh, not creepy but kind of quirky adventure horror rather than scary gore horror and it's uh it's a lot of fun the campaign i'm currently running is for part two of a two-part story so it, it will kind of wrap things up and it's off to a great start so i'm i'm really happy with the way things are going awesome i love who's the art who's the rest of your team that's... there oh, oh yeah that's nice yeah the who's who's the art team on this one frank so the art team is the same as part one which is uh, J.C. Grande did the did the lines, and my friend uh, Eugene Botteview did the colors. Who was also the colorist on my kind of noir mystery, The Last Homicide. So I've worked with him before. He, he's a uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's he's reliable, and he did the he did the colors. And I think combined they 
they did a good job like portraying the atmosphere that I want for the book because I don't I don't want it to be too scary, but at the same time, I don't want it to be too light. So it, I want that balance of kind of of uh, horror and mystery, which I think they portray very well together. Well, and, and I've heard uh, kind of, you know, on the down though that you and the letterer just don't get along. <laughs> I that's that's a hundred percent true. I, I look in the mirror and I yell at this motherfucker <laughs> all the time. But but yes, I uh if you if you couldn't get by the, the way people are laughing my reaction, I'm the letterer. So uh, <laughs> I no, I actually you know what it's weird because I tell people that lettering my books has been such a such a pivotal point in my career and other people are like what are you talking about i started lettering and i said i'm never doing that again i outsource all the time but i'm like I, I i don't know there's something about really touching the page really touching the art with my with my work because i am a an artistic and design idiot i i have no design bone in my body whatsoever so the fact that I can do a little something to the page to give it my touch is means everything. And it also ups the level of respect I have for true letterers tremendously. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I'm reading a, uh, a comic that I picked up at the comic store and I see an awesome sound effect, I'm just like, I, I just stare at the page for a full minute. And I'm like, <laughs> how did they do this? Like, I have no idea. Uh, I, I love the art style in this book. It's yeah. so unique and it's so perfect, like you said, for the atmosphere. Because I, I did read issue one and I was just kind of like from page one to, to the last page, just I was down in the basement with the two guys. It, it's, it's, a, it's a balance between that gritty feel, that horror feel, and that light feel. You know, it's, I don't want it to be one or the other because it, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be too light. It's not meant to be too scary. So uh, to find that balance was, was was really tricky, but I think they pulled it off well. Uh, Ignacio says it's Mario Brothers meets Lovecraft. So <laughs> Ignacio, we're all trying to put you on our speed dial to help us uh, pitch our comics. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was 100% marketing. I think I, the, the way I pitched it was Super Mario versus Thulu. And neither Mario nor Thulu appear in the book, but I figured that's a way to suck people into it. Wedge says, I love suspenseful horror. Gore is cool, but I love the feeling of what's behind the door or hiding in the shadows. This yeah. looks cool. It does. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for part two because part one was basically getting a feel for these characters, getting a feel for the setting. And part two is when things really just like take off and get super weird and super crazy and action packed. So... I'm excited to see what people think about it. Dude, I guys, stop the presses. This is exclusive. Explain Yourself has our first spam comment. Yes. We've made it. We've made it. It is a Russian name. Nier, nier. You know what? I'm going to take 100% credit for that, for me doing my pitch. Why? Okay. <laughs> totally, you man. Know, you know what? I mean, uh, it, so good night. We're done. Anytime you cite that in the future, you have to somehow – Fit my name into it. Uh, <laughs> if people aren't trying to spam your comments, are you even on the internet? I feel no, like we finally made it. Milestone set. Show's over. Go out on a high note. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're getting OnlyFans links after this. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. We're so money. Uh, Blake, uh, if you know me, you know um, nothing 
ever is two issues unless it could be continued into more. So uh, everything is always that that door is always left open. So so they they may be on other house calls in the yeah. future if yeah, they I survive. Mean, everybody's got plumbing yeah. issues, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> so you never know. I think I remember, but but how did how was this story inspired? So I've been a Lovecraft fan kind of forever. I but the thing is, I'm not a huge Thulu Mythos Lovecraft fan. I'm a Lovecraft fan of like some of his lesser known stories. You know, some of the stuff that deals with family secrets in the basement, not necessarily causing monsters. So. Uh, after I graduated from college, I gravitated towards my family business, which was a chimney sweep contracting company. Um, and I did that for a bunch of years and I want to do something that gravitates towards that. But instead of that, I did a plumbers cause I thought plumbers was a little bit more relatable. And I just smashed the two together where you had a blue collar kind of, uh, partners in plumbers coming together to unravel this weird Lovecraftian mystery and, the story was born you know <laughs> so if there is a second volume or when there is a second volume would it be within lovecraft or would it be a different creature or would it be a different writer's uh universe that you might play on so why are you making me answer these questions <laughs> i can't i can't that wasn't very easy to answer listen um, answer like a motherfucker frank <laughs> uh how do i answer this without answering it um, yes just say yes just say yes so the, the way it's gonna work is um something is going to happen and then the plumbers have to figure out what happened. Okay. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair because having talked with Will, Will's book Crossover Division is basically fictional worlds break into our worlds. And sometimes Will will say, this issue is Oz. And sometimes Will will say, look, it's a Shakespearean play and you're just going to have to find out. So I, I totally respect you not being able to answer. I just, I have to ask the question. I, I, I mean, I have an answer for you. I just can't give you the answer, which stinks. I mean, I could lie to you if you want, but I don't really want to. Lie to me, no. baby. Lie to me. <laughs> so look, what's going to happen is the plumbers are going to like wake up and they're going to be in this weird land with flying monkeys. There you go. <laughs> yellow. And like this witch is going to come down if they fix my sink and like, oh, no leaks. Right. I mean, no right. leaks. Witches yes. can't have leaks, yes. right? No water. <laughs> so Wedge asks, do we prefer uh, crowdfunding and being able to create our own stories um, or working for a company? It's a really good question. What do you guys think? Both. Is that an answer? It's an answer. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean. Oh. <laughs> so I, I've said this multiple times before because I've crowdfunded books for other people's creations. My original series, Modern Testament, I ended up crossing over with Braden Cox's Reclaiming Godhood and Lou Cooper's uh, ha Hollow Girl. And and I'm sure Brian could, could speak to this too because he's done uh, other, other people's IPs that he's worked with, is that there's a certain level of respect and responsibility when somebody says, I want you to write for my characters, you know, 
you feel that weight on your shoulders and that burden and there's there, it feels like you want to rise to the occasion so I, I really enjoy that um, that feeling of somebody feeling like they can take your baby and 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 you can mold it to however you want. So, but at the same time, I like doing what I want to do. You know, so it's it, it it's hard to say that I like one over the other. Yeah, Brian, you have you've worked with Mad Cave, you worked with Scout, you've crowdfunded. What what's your thought? I, I'm going to have to piggyback on that and say, you know, just having your feet um, on, you know, like if it's a line drawn, you're on both sides, it, it's, it's good because you get the experience and very much like what Frank said, you know, it's, it's rising to the occasion of that. It's, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of also the James Tinian thing where, you know, he, you know, he wrote Batman and he did a lot with DC, but, you know, a lot of it was also to, helped to push and be a catalyst for his own stuff, you know, for there to be an audience for his own stuff as well. And now, you know, he's off doing just his own stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think one plays off the other and depending on what your, your, your mold is and what your goal is and what your passion is, you kind of have to decide how to play into that or how to balance that out. Um, so I wouldn't say there's a preference. Uh, it's more so of a, a balance and what part of the experience you're going to be on and for what direction and trajectory um, you feel yourself going in. Yeah, I can't really answer it for myself because I've only worked with SourcePoint Press and Scout. And with both companies, I still got to tell, with Morte, tell exactly the story that David Bishop and I wanted to tell. And with Tart, I still get to tell this exact story that Ludo and I want to tell. So it's not like I have to deal with an, any editorial interference. Anything I hear from, you know, my my editor, Andrea or Charlie or David is you, they look at the idea and, and they're, it's always how to make my idea and Ludo's idea better. It's not you can't do this because of this corporate decision. So I, I can't answer because they're very similar. I know that um, I suck at getting into comic shops. Yeah. I just suck at it. That, so I really like being mm-hmm. with Scout and SourcePoint because they can do it and I can't. But I also like Kickstartering because I can create a real, uh, a personal relationship with, with the backers. I mean, that that's the metaphorical yeah. million dollar question, you know, whether you go with your own your own road or whether you try to piggyback off somebody else and, and have them push your stuff up. So mm-hmm. everybody's got to find their own way. Carl and Jenna, I know you have a book coming out with scout and Carl, you sounds like you've been at this for a while. What have, what have your uh, thoughts been in this? I'm going to throw Jenna under the bus. Jenna is a jobber. <laughs> I mean, she writes for Zenoscope. She, uh, she does a lot of work for higher stuff. Mm-hmm. So cult of Icarus at scout is like, her first creator own thing. Yeah. So your experience is definitely a lot different than mine. I was going to say as a writer only, I like it both ways because I get to play in somebody else's universe and it's almost like there's one pressure where it's one where you want to do a good job, but on the other hand, there's so much already set up there, there's a lot for me to draw off of and so it's mm-hmm. almost in a sense easier because I don't have to come up with the stuff really myself. There's a lot of backstory. Mm-hmm. But then create our own stuff. 
it's nice that I'm free to do whatever I like and you can't tell me I'm wrong because it's my story. <laughs> um, but with Carl being someone who writes, draws, letters, colors, I think it's a lot different for him or it would be trying to work in a, um, like a company setting because if you create everything yourself, I think it's gonna be a lot harder to take editorial suggestions seriously because you're doing it all. Whereas I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll whatever you want. I can do that. I, I can work it out. Yeah, I would say the difference between being a jobber and work for hire is immense at this point because right now the direct market doesn't favor the auteur creator. Like you don't get Paul Pope's anymore. You don't get, unless you're Sean Gordon Murphy, who's like, I'm going <laughs> to draw Batman for the next three years. Like <laughs> my dude did work for hire stuff for like five years. And he was like, yeah, Not I wrong. Can do what you want. Yeah. And now he gets to draw Batman. And it's like, bro, that's the, the thing you want to do. Like we all got a good Batman star. us. no disrespect. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, like, we don't have a vertigo. We don't have an indie alternative comics route anymore. Crowdfunding is really the only way to kind of promote the auteur artist because by no means, I'm not a shitty writer. Like Jenna and I work as screenwriters. We've sold screenplays together. Like we're writers essentially. But at the same time, Carl's never taken seriously as a writer because he's an artist. They always assume he's an artist first and then kind of fumbles along at the writing and that's not true and i spent the first 15 years of my career doing work for hire stuff for writers whose scripts fucking sucked and listen no man we were not gonna say that we work together yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know i mean there there was a patch of time where like a lot of stuff that was written was carried by the art now it's very much an artist we're, we're, yeah, we're second. Like a lot of the writing that is being done right now, it's writer first. And it shows because the writing is fucking stellar. But like, find me a book that can compete with Wally Wood, can compete with Frank Miller in the 80s. It's like, like how often do you get like an ultra mega? Yeah. You, know? you don't get you don't get Dark Knight Returns anymore. I mean, you might get Dark Knight Strikes again, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Even 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 that, like history's been a little unfair to that. You look at that now and you're just like, I get it. I get what he was doing, but I mean, ultimately there isn't a, a space right now for solo creators who write and draw their own shit. Like you're not going to get a Mobius out of Western yeah. comics. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's, look at, look at the eighties. I mean, you had Miller yep. Matt Wagner. And, Simonson mm -hmm. and Matt yep. Wagner. And I mean, that amount of creativity, you know, that were writers and artists, you know, they yeah. were un the, the unicorns. There were and you so had many to be unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> you had to be. The thing about then and now is it's so in it, back then, I feel like it was more essential to know how to tell a story on the page than it is now because I mean, the unspoken truth in the big two right now is that. Marvel and DC are lifestyle brands. So you have to match the thing that is being mass marketed to you. So like if your Marvel comics don't sound like Marvel movies or Marvel shows. They're not going to take a lot of chances. They don't give a shit. Yeah. The DC stuff, a little less than it used to be. But at the same time, like you're banking on top tier writers to make that. That's why you've got the Tinian. That's why you've got the Scott Snyder. And the art, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes yeah. it's really not. Yeah. Uh, somebody in the comments said uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is getting pretty close to the sun. 
yeah, he's one of the few though that are working in like the direct market right now that clearly have a voice of their yeah. own and can carry themselves as a writer and an artist. But like, do, it's rare. do not see big, big two marketing uh, solo creators like that. Crowdfunding is the way to go. And like, sure. I experienced that myself. I listen. I got my uh, my sea legs doing work for higher stuff, but I put so much of my time as a writer creator aside thinking like the way to break in was to draw somebody else's book and listen the only person who i'm going to do that for is the person who's marrying me and even her stuff's not that good <laughs> i'm kidding it's fucking great you love we it. have a good time <laughs> but it's it is a conversation that isn't being had yeah. and uh as the sole artist in the room i'll i'll be the one that gets that bullet i don't care no i don't think that there's a writer here that would say that our artists don't make our scripts better. I mean, right. if you yeah. do, that is going to make some good TV. So say it, but I'm not going to be. <laughs> oh, I'm man, not going to say surprised. it because it's not true. You'd be surprised how many offline well, will say that shit. <laughs> yeah. I, and, well, a, speaking as a writer, the, the artists, you guys are the bells of the ball. Okay. You know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm always looking for an artist. Yeah. Artists, you know, you guys no can do whatever yeah. you want, in my opinion, because you're going, yeah. oh, I want to work with this writer or this writer. We're like, please work with us. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know Brian or, or Frank's marital status, but Will and I screwed up. We got married before we met artists. <laughs> I would, if I was single, I'd be looking to marry an artist. I mean, this is seeming, this is really smart, Jenna. I mean, this is... I, I'm lucky to just get my wife to flip through my books. You yeah. know, she'll look at the cover and be like, "What the fuck is this?" And just <laughs> yeah. she tell about the first time. Comic book. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. Though I met Carl because I was on Twitter looking for. Um, I was I was thinking about doing a an anthology like a short film anthology and I stumbled across a project he was working on called the Mortuary Collection. He was doing the art for the eventual film. And I was like, man, this guy's stuff is really good. Now on Shutter, by the now way. Now on Shutter. If you want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that plug in, gotta get them dollars. That's awesome. Yeah. You need like a, a, a Tinder for matching art writers and artists. That's <laughs> like I got lucky. I didn't know he was a comic artist. I just was like, all right, this guy does some cool stuff. I need stuff. to work in Silicon Valley. That's where I need to be. <laughs> exactly. exactly. What, what is the name of, of the movie? It's called The Mortuary Collection. And he was doing the concept art for it. And I was like, this is I had no idea yeah, yeah. that he did, that well, he did comics. Shutter. And then it turned out that he did. And I saw his stuff. And I was like, well, I'm going to force this dude to work with me one way or another. And then it just so <laughs> happened that we lived in the same city. So I lost my mind. Yeah. That's great. I mean, yeah, now she story. smells my farts. <laughs> there that's, that's you go. Oh man, getting personal. <laughs> personal. And thank you, Wedge Horn. That's awfully nice. I pictured it as a horror movie, Bachelorette Party. That's exactly <laughs> how I wanted it to go. And no, Blake's Buzz, you can't meet cool girls on Twitter. It was a fluke. And I'm not that cool. <laughs> but I can say you can, meet, you can meet really great artists because I only, I only know Jesse yes. Sharon and I've got a comic because I followed her on Twitter. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, Damn straight. So, so I don't, I don't know about the romantic you know, stuff. But, I, but the, as long as they could draw sequentials, I don't mind being catfished. <laughs> <laughs> yes there's a difference between drawing pretty pictures and drawing sequential art yeah. i 100 percent agree wait a minute frank that was you yeah. that was <laughs> i don't care my wife is watching i'll 
<laughs> we arrange things in order to get an artist on board. On this, I'm married. No comment. <laughs> well done, sir. Nice. Well done. Well, you know, Frank, you mentioned something earlier that that really kind of resonated with me. Um, Kevin and I are, are going to cross over Tart and crossover division, and you, that responsibility you feel because I was I was writing some dialogue for Tart, and I'm like okay this is this is kevin this is this is my pal right and I, I can't screw this up and i think at one point kevin there's one one line where i'm like holy freaking crap i just nailed some dialogue for her and i'm like yes <laughs> and he went like it's okay okay I, I, i'm fine <laughs> i i've had that same feeling where okay. somebody else created a character and you you put words in that character's mouth, and you're like, would they say this? You know, it's yeah. it, it's a very weird feeling. But you know, people that that work for Marvel and DC go through this stuff every day, and they never think twice about it. So yeah. it, it's weird to to put that much responsibility on on an indie character when oh you're not even that much your friend's character who yeah, they are entrusting for you to to expand into a story. It's I mean, I have a blast with it. You know, I really do. Even if it's not a huge character like Superman or Batman, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, it is 11.56. Let's uh, pull up the banner. Hey, oh, oh Joey's here. Yeah. Joey from the Geek Collective. The only reason that we actually do look sort of... Uh, sort of professional he did our video and does all of our graphics so we, we'd like to give joey a shout out because Joey's he's the man. only thing that makes this train feel like it's not just rocketing off of hi a joey <laughs> he's seen uh, graphics like a motherfucker That's yes right. he does that is staying on i'm going that i swing waffles forever <laughs> <laughs> so um like that copyright or something i want to thank you guys for joining us let's go through and do we'll give you a full minute on on each comic again um because we only gave you 30 seconds at the beginning and will yep. and i don't have to talk about any comics that are currently crowdfunding that we've talked about because they're they've all closed so uh we uh sure, we don't man. I, well, I will find out because okay. uh, you'll check while um, <laughs> while we're doing that. While Frank starts giving us uh, a, another minute on Pipe Creepers. Pipe Creepers, yes. It's a Lovecraft adventure horror story about two plumbers that get sucked into a Lovecraft-style mystery in the basement of a creepy old lady's mansion. I'm currently funding for part two of a two-part story. Uh, and if you're into black comedy and, and, and weird adventure, weird horror, stuff like that, I hope you'll give it a look. And this is, they can get issue one if they missed it the first time around? Yes, you can either get issue one digitally or you can get issue one in print. I have a whole bunch of different options, either a standard cover, a variant cover. I also have a deluxe edition that has one and two in a, a single book. So. Oh, wow. Check it all out. We got we got four comments here before we start. Um, Wedge, thank you very much for popping in. I appreciate it. And Joey, always we 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 love having you in. Um, 
Yes, we are all too awesome. We know this. <laughs> We're going to try to be 8% less awesome in the future for you, but it's very difficult. Um, Brian, let's let's talk one more time about, and I'm going to say it in the right order, the lunatic, the lover, the poet. All right. Uh, so it, this is Act 2, the follow-up issue um, from Issue 1, Act 1. Um, and we are uh, within a small school of uh, school of the arts, Poe School of the Arts, um, and Zolifer Jones, who is a main character, is writing a rendition of Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, and in the midst of that, the lead actress, Alexis Randolph, is murdered. Uh, from there, the cast and the crew become suspects. Um, secrets are revealed, uh, affairs are revealed, and Alexis' uh, boyfriend and best friend we're actually having an affair and they become suspects as well as targets. And act two picks up right where act one leads off um, where Mercedes, who is Alexis' best friend, um, who was having the affair is now being attacked by the puck mass killer. Um, and so act two is about her survival, um, her potential survival. Um, and then it leads into more mystery about uh, what is really happening within the play um, what's really going on with, with, in that campus and the secrets of the students and the faculty, um, and how all of that ties into who is the killer and why the killer is running loose and terrorizing the campus. Um, this is uh, issue two, act two of a three-part series, three-act series. It's all in acts, um, as I allude to, like the uh, the three-act play structure, um, and so. Um, Issue, issue three, act three, would be the final issue of The Lunatic, The Lover, and The Poet, um, where, you know, you'll get the reveal of who the killer is and why everything is happening. So we're right at the uh, the two-thirds point. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a great time to jump in. You can also get uh, issue one, act one on, on this as well. Nice. I just nice. think we should all start saying puck mass killer really fast a lot. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not going first. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so Joey says, buy everyone's stuff, just don't break the bank. Feed the kids first. Oh, Listen, yeah. I have a comic named Tart. Feed your kids Tart. Yeah. <laughs> it's high in fiber. Um, no, obviously, feed children. Whatever. Um, all right, let's go hey, on. Before we, get, yeah. before we finish it off, there's a comment that we missed, and I think it's really important. <laughs> so that's our good, our good friend, Joel Lolar. <laughs> Shout out to Joel Lolar, uh, creator of one of the most amazing books I've ever read, uh, Forever Winter. Yeah. Uh, go to stockpilecomics.com. He get, just had a successful Kickstarter for it. Get my man's book. It's like 600 pages of it's nuts. Creator owned. It's about a post-apocalyptic Boston. Ooh. And it is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. I'm he's not awesome. saying that because he's my bestie, but uh my God, the dude is a draftsman. He is a fantastic writer and a fantastic artist. And this is something that he's been talking about for man, as long as I've known him. We used to get pizza at the same joint back when we went to the Cubert School. We'd sit down there and just brainstorm ideas, and this was his idea. And I've seen him over the last couple of years of our friendship just spit out the best indie comics you're not reading. And you have to. You know what, guys? You I have got, to. I, I have to say the Purple Light really 
really helps you sell that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're in post-apocalyptic New York up here. <laughs> We're in John Wick's alternate reality That's where right. everything is super sexy. <laughs> we hilarious. know gun fu. That's right. That's hilarious. So That's speaking of gun fu and Joel, the next time you have a Kickstarter, reach out. We'd love to yep. uh, talk yeah. to you. I think Joel's we just missed this yeah. one. I apologize. Forever um, Winter is the name, correct? Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, I already Googled well, that. Book. I got to get off my computer. So I got to ring now. After I eventually oh. pass out, I'm going to wake up and see that. And <laughs> so let's do it. 90s style uh, uh, mayhem. Mayhem. Vigilante so, vengeance. I have to be honest. Every time we talk about this book, I have a hard time not slipping into like. Like 90s wrestler promo. Like, let's do it. Brother, you no, want to no, you, you still resist. Just let it flow. Do it. Brother, let me tell you about Lady Mayhem. What do you, what do you mean I need to resist? Let me tell you, brother. <laughs> Have you ever it... fallen asleep eating Doritos while playing SNES, brother? <laughs> you ever gotten a headache from playing fucking Mountain Dew up to your nostrils, brother? You have to hide <laughs> those done. image You're comics, million, brother. That's a million dollar idea. I don't know why you would fight that. <laughs> so he's going to be the wrestler announcer. I'm clearly the hype man for this whole clearly. damn project. He, um, he's Macho Man. She's Elizabeth, right? Bro, yeah. oh, that man sold his soul for Slim Jims. <laughs> hey, hey. Homie could have made some money. Yes, but there is there will never be a bad word about Randy said in this show never. because he no. punched my friend when we were 11 years old. No <laughs> shit. Wait, he punched your friend? Randy Macho Man Savage. Level. Punched punch my friend Sean right in the gut. We got tickets to, Ooh. you know, WWF untelevised, which I as a kid, I didn't know that, you know, like that meant that no titles were going to change, but we had we had the British Bulldogs in a in a in a, a tag team title oh, bout. Yeah. We had we had Randy and Tito Santana, I think, in a yeah. no bar hold barred. Oh man, you are aging me right now. I'm getting hype. <laughs> we were we were on the row where you got to slap hands with the good guys and yell mm -hmm. at the bad guys, but and I was eleven, and my friend Sean was twelve, so he was a little bit more on the line of I don't care about Randy, but that Elizabeth is pretty. <laughs> and they walked yeah, past, and he touched Elizabeth's shoulder, and Randy took his arm and just went. And caught Sean under the diaphragm. <laughs> Sean just like like balsa wood flew back in his chair and couldn't breathe for a good you know minute. Oh my like, goodness! He knocked every gasp of air out of Sean's. That's amazing. Can I can I use this? Can I use this opportunity to share another wrestler of the nineties story? So yes, cool. yes. So uh, this this can turn into that, but. Sean got up. We watched the rest of it. I ran into Sean's brother on Facebook like 20 years later, two years uh, ago. And I said, I, I hate to tell you this. I told that story 10,000 times. And he said, it's okay. Sean and I have told it 100,000. I love it. I love so, it. Please, what's yours? So this is this looks like a postscript to uh, an, a, a young Carl who loved Sergeant Slaughter back in the day. I was at a, uh, a New York Comic-Con, man, it had to be almost seven years ago. I was promoting a book 
And uh, I had like the press badge. I was there early and whatever. So I was walking around uh, and Sergeant Slaughter, like at every convention, much like Lou Ferrigno had his booth, he had to pay for his signature and all that. I was like, holy shit, there's fucking Sergeant Slaughter. Ah, WWF back in the day had his wrestling buddy. You won't tell him that. Um, but I was like, I took a picture of him from afar and I saw like a dude give him a high five and all that shit. And uh, the dude was paying for like his, I bought a photo with Sergeant Slaughter and all that. And I walked over to the dude and I'm like, yo, you want to save yourself 10 bucks? And I was like, I got a great picture of you and Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> and the homie turns around. It's Daryl Palumbo from the band Glassjaw. And as like a New York hardcore kid, I was like, yo, I lost my mind. And he was like, really? For real? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you an artist? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, sweet. Do you want to check out Bill Sienkiewicz's booth? <laughs> I was like, no, no, I don't want to do Carl that. Carl died and his soul left his body. <laughs> I was like, at, at the time, I was just like, oh my God, yeah. And then he was like introducing me to all like these like rapper guys that he was producing for uh, LP's label. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then uh, it, it didn't actually have anything to do with Sergeant Slaughter. I just wanted to mention that I know rock stars. <laughs> that's, that's gorgeous. I, I love it. I, I don't know. Does, do people know Glassjaw anymore? Do people know LP? They know Joey does. Circling yeah, it back yeah. around, do people know Lady Mayhem? There you go. There you go. Oh, oh. <laughs> questions on brand. I see what you did there. I do. I do have a Bill Simkevich, uh story. I was my first ever con before I was even thinking I'd ever write a comic. We were in uh, Big Apple Comic Con in like I don't know 2001, 2002. It was in a hotel on 34th Street. We're walking around, and and you know, there's you know Bill's standing there his booth is the messiest it's lady mayhem on, <laughs> on a table like everything is everywhere there's no rhyme or reason there's this painting of electra that's easily three foot high two foot wide oh, yeah. and my buddy bill goes uh, how much is that and and bill's talking over here and he says to my friend bill yeah yeah five thousand and uh, <laughs> and that's when I went, oh, I'm never going to own any Bill Sienkiewicz. Okay, all right. Good to know. My man painted the cover for the Bobby Digital album. Like, it's not happening. You're never yeah. going to own that again. Like, he's in rapper's houses. Yeah, he's so talented. I mean, it was worth 5000 It was not a situation where I looked down and went... I can't believe he's asking that. It was just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that only is out 5, of my. Only five thousand, not three point three million, like the recent uh, page from the issue eight of Secret Wars, which went on sale. That was that's nuts. That was two thousand and two. I pr it probably is eighteen thousand now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. You know. So I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, it was a blast. Uh, it always is. Um, Frank, Brian, thank you for coming again. Uh, Jenna Carl, it's really nice to meet you, and I hope uh, when we have Volume 2 of Lady Mayhem or some other book you guys are dropping together or individually, please reach out. We'd love to talk to you more. Yeah. Thank sure. you. This was a blast. Thank you. All right. Totally. Good night, everybody. And everybody who commented, you made it a blast because we got to talk about what you wanted to talk about, and that uh, is... It, it makes it more fun for us because we're not just going to like grasping at straws. So uh, we hope to see you back here next Friday night. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, Good night everyone.